This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host Ian Turner. Big show today. I'm going to announce the winner of the Rhythm and Alps giveaway. Remember, that was a camping pass for two worth close to $500. So listen out for that. But from one event to another, today's guest is David Parlane, director of Selwyn Sounds. He got his start in radio and pretty soon realised that making stuff happen was his reason for being. Cue 10,000 punters enjoying some of the best music New Zealand has to offer out at little old Lincoln. But what's on the horizon for David and are we going to see a bigger Selwyn Sounds or something completely new in the coming years? This is the Garden of Sound interview with David Parlane on Plains FM 96.9. David, I want you to tell me about the um, uh, the first time you heard music in your life, maybe as a, as a youngster around home. Probably mum singing in the shower, but we had this fantastic um, radiogram at home. You know, the old one where you put the records on the top of it and, you know, turn the button on and then it click and down it goes and Sunday mornings used to play um, the stories you know like um, flick the little fire engine those sorts of things not listening to it on the radio but you could actually hear little LPs and stuff like that and hearing music through that um, fond memories of listening to Dick Weir on Sunday mornings on the radio in, in, in Wellington um, and again you know the Sunday morning kids program used to get up instead of watching it you know what now on TV it was radio then in those days but music's probably been a big part of my life all, all, you know from a very very early early age it was sort of something that I always gravitated to mm-hmm. and um, and enjoyed not that I was very musical myself from a singing point of view, but mm. it was just, you know, um, that theatre and stage presence and just, you know, music brings emotions into into your life and you remember things when you, you hear a certain track in a certain time. Um, so it's just been, yeah, big part. Uh, you grew up in Palmerston North. Was there any musical instruction at all, whether at primary school or, or high school, to get your hands on an instrument or anything like that? Uh, high school was the drums for me, and um, I love that side of type of thing. Um, Why are the drums? Oh, I just like beat, <laughs> banging things banging and things. Yeah, bashing them. Yeah. Um, so that was yeah, that's my first sort of musical instrument that I played. I was in a choir when I was in first form. Growing up, we used to do you know the the musicals or the stage shows each each year. Used to be involved with those, but the drums, I sort of that was my bang and clash and getting into that in high school. Were there any groups that you were involved with, you know, getting together with some mates and, and having a oh, go at we, we, yeah, we had some jam sessions in Palmerston North, yeah. you know, but it didn't really go too far. It was more just in the in the music room at high school that yeah. we uh, we went for. So what did David want to do when he grew up to become Big David? David always wanted to get onto radio. Okay. Yeah, so David wanted to, from a very, very early age, you know, sitting, sitting there with the old tape recorder and taping music off the radio and then playing radio announcer and winding records back and playing with that very early age was always a dream that's was where I was going to always head and um, 
listening to uh, Kev Lachland on Tuesday day in Palmerston North, you know, I just remembered vividly going in there one day and meeting him and sitting there and watching him in awe of what he was doing and really seeing it. And, you know, they always say that, you know, what you actually visualise of the voice is not no- normally the man. So um, it was a, quite a surprise to actually see him in real life. So that was uh, that was quite an incredible moment. Do you listen to much radio these days, or is it more recorded music? I hardly re- listen to any radio now, to be quite honest, except for when I'm home in the office. I put the big boombox on, and it's in the background, and listen to you know listen to the radio and see if my ads are playing properly for one of the events that I'm doing, and the right ads on. But I don't actively listen to it. It's very passive. How did uh, event management, at least? Um, sort of appear on the scene? Was it something that was presented to you or is this something that sort of uh, came out of a, a previous career? Well, I guess back in high school, again, my one of my friends from the radio station, actually, he, um, he, had a, he had a very good band and they were very, you know, they were well known in Palmerston North. And What so, was the name of that band? I <laughs> thought you'd going to ask that. I've got a funny feeling it was called Full Circle. Full Circle. Yeah. Okay. Actually, he's a very successful announcer in Auckland still and um, we got to manage him for a couple of the blue light discos and we got him into a few pubs and stuff like that and so that was my sort of into into management of bands I guess you call it um, and I was working in radio in those days and so part of the radio station was a lot of promo stuff so we did a lot of events like the kite day and the you know the raft race and big dig on Himatangi Beach and Palmerston North all of those sorts all of things classics. yeah just you know from being on radio to moving into more promotional stuff and then into a sales background and still having fingers and little pies in radio sort of Event management and promo management was always part of where I was sort of heading from very early age, I guess. You know, back in early 84s, I think a promotional role in 86, and, you know, that's sort of where it moved more into that promotional sales and and event management at that point in time. So what was the uh, first big gig outside of the, the comfort of the radio world? I'm nearly going to say that it was the international ice hockey mm-hmm. back in 2011. How big is ice hockey in New Zealand or Australia for that matter? It's a very small, very small. I mean, I think New Zealand has one, two, three, four ice rinks. That's it. So to bring a you know world renowned you know USA Canada ice hockey hockey teams to New Zealand is a mammoth. You know, 16 players on each side. Uh, management, you know, masseuse, all all those sorts of things. And then there isn't a NHL size ice rink that would actually hold five or 6,000 people or 8,000 people in Auckland. So we had to, you know, bring our own ice rink to New Zealand and containers out of the Netherlands. And then if you imagine Vector Arena, you, you see the basketball and the in netball, they lay down courts for that. Well, we had to lay down ice rinks. So, you know, a full-size NHL ice rink starting from scratch, 100 mils of ice, you know, how do you build that? So and we did that in Auckland, Christchurch. Um, and we were able to do it in Dunedin at an ice rink there. So uh, I guess that was the big events and really got me into, well, this is actually quite cool. I quite like this. But, you know, I was working, you know, we would do it. We did that in Auckland, then we took it to Australia. From that, I guess it just came out of the blue, really. Um, the ice rink was actually in New Zealand. 
came from the Netherlands and, you know, we were going to need it the next year. And they said, well, why don't you start up some portable ice rinks and do them as fun rinks? So we put a fun rink into, um, into Hamilton and Garden Centre and basically sold, you know, if you wanted to go ice skating, it was 20 bucks and there's a pair of boots and on you go. So logistics-wise, uh, you'd obviously sort of got your head around these major undertakings of bringing in all this gear and dealing with the, the people side of things. Um, when did it click for you uh, that, hey, I want to bring my love of, of music and the entertainment industry at least uh, and put on, a, put on a concert? Again, I'll go back to, it was actually Sydney um, in, and we did the ice rink and I actually invited one of my best mates from here in Lincoln and said, why don't you come over to the over to the ice rink and have a look and see what we do, or what I do, because no one really knew what I did. You know, it was just, oh, that's David, he nice. works for, you know, da-da-da-da. And um, so I brought him over, and he was just blown away with the the actual size and how it was all put together and everything like that. And so it was him probably, I don't know, it might have been a year later when we were actually having a beer down at the local pub, and he said... This is in Lincoln? This is in Lincoln. And he said, you know, I'm sick and tired of having to go to music events or other events, hear them on the radio when I'm driving into town and they're either up the valley or they're in, at, you know, big things. He said, with your skill set, why don't we put on something down on the local local park down here at Lincoln to Maine? And I said, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, you know, a few more beers and that was it. And then about three months later, he said, well, are we going to do it or not? And I said, well, okay, well, let's start. Are you serious about this? And he said, yep. And so um, that's where the idea came from, pretty much. It was him that prompted me when then I went out and got a whole lot of, you know, got the permission to use the grounds and got the bands and boom, there it was. I will go into that in a tremendous amount more detail uh, in just a second, but it is time for some music. Um, now, it's already been somewhat diverse from uh, growing up in Palmerston North and the radio and the ice hockey all the way through to Selwyn Sounds. Um, would you say that there's a, a band who might have sort of influenced David's way of doing things across the years? Well, I mean, the band that got me probably into radio was the Tubes. Mm. Uh, they're a UK band. Probably no, not many people have actually heard of them, but it's just one of those, you know, if someone says, what's your favourite song, it would be always talk to you later. Um, it's got a great line that it says, you know, right at the beginning, if you're going to listen to this album, please sit down and listen to it for, you know, the entire album. And that was the album that got me into radio because I did a bio on them and I put it on a little tape deck and I sent it off to the you know, PD and all of the different radio stations around New Zealand and got me my first uh, on-air midnight to dawn on 2XS and Palmerston North. Fantastic. So this is The Tubes. Talk to you later.
is the Garden of Sound interview with David Parlane on Plains FM 96.9. Hey, I'm Max, singer and guitarist from Merlinco. When you need some stellar photos to help sell your band or next gig, get in touch with Shannon Jessica. She's not just a great photographer, she froths local music. And that passion comes through full swing in all the work she does. This month, Shannon's offering a lovely introductory special, meaning your shoot could cost as little as 150 bucks. But these packages have got to be snatched up by the end of the month. So visit shannonjessica.com for a beaut portfolio from your next gig. That's shannonjessica.com. This is the Garden of Sound interview with David Parlane on Plains FM 96.9. David, um, we talked about the hockey, we've talked a little bit about Selwyn Sounds and, and things like that, but I want to know, what's the, the biggest gig, or at least maybe the first big gig that you, um, you got along to? A uh, big gig would probably be in Palmerston North, uh, at the Palmerston North Opera House, and um, a very good friend of my parents took me to the um, ballet, New Zealand Ballet, and I was just gobsmacked with it. It was just, you know, looking at the lights, looking at where the music was coming from, the follow spots, so just seeing that, and then... Um, that sort of got me a real interest in theatre and music as well. The next one was probably seeing um, Rene Geyer, mm-hmm. again at the same place, or it might have been um, Bay City Rollers. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, so that, that sort of, you know, we're going scratching the surface really now, bringing memories back. But, yeah, those probably were the, were the big gigs. But in those days also you had big pubs. We had a you know a covers band back in Palmerston North. I think they're still actually going. Um, SP two, okay. and you know at the Awapuni Tavern, highlight of your week. You know going there on a Friday or a Saturday night and listening to SP two and 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 the guys. In as many weeks, um, I've had uh, quite a few guests talk um, in the eighties at least about these big pubs that had ongoing residencies. Uh, that were very well uh, attended. It doesn't seem to be the case in this day and age. What do you think has sort of changed in the uh, the local live music scene? The pub size. Pub sizes have got smaller now. Um, you know, you, you look in Christchurch, for instance, really for live music, there's probably one or two places that you can actually go to in, in, in Christchurch itself. But they only hold 180 to 200 people. And so when you're... When you're looking at it from a logistics point of view, you know, you've got five or six people in the band, you've got a manager, you've got a road crew, you've got all of those sorts of things. The other thing too is cover charges have sort of, um, again, have have moved it away as well. People don't like paying for covers. That's very true. You know, when you're logistically looking at these bands and saying, hey, let's tour them through New Zealand, there's not a lot of places that you can go. And for me, listening to a band in a theatre in a seat, I remember going to see the dudes here in Christchurch, which is a great band, you know, like iconically New Zealand. And we all sat there with our arms folded in the Isaac Theatre and, you know, listening to, you know, the, you know, the pub anthem of the, you know, with there and you're sitting there, it's just, it's just not right. right. You know, it's just not right. But I think it's the sizes um, of the pubs, you know. There's just nothing in Christchurch. So folks aren't uh, willing to pay a cover charge on a Friday or a Saturday. However, they are willing to go and hang out with 10,000 of their closest mates on a on a March uh, afternoon. Um, surely, for Selwyn Sounds at least, it hasn't just been, hey, here we go, here's an idea, let's put it together, and everyone turns up. What was the sort of like the building 
process. How did you get it to uh, the successful level that it's at at the moment? Oh, look, I think the success of Selwyn Sound was built on basically the unique idea of where it was in, in here and that what we were looking for is to bring an event um, to Christchurch in Canterbury um, like no other. And when I when I say that, it had to be, it had to kick, tick a couple of boxes. You know, it had to bring some memories back. Um, it had to be, I guess, nearly family friendly. But it was for mum and dad who go, I remember that, um, and I want to be part of that. So there was a very much an idea of we're looking for a female 30 to 65 that's our target that's huge though yeah really. it is but then look at last year you know leo sayer was in the 70s and then you know john stevens was in the 80s and you know the little river band sort of encompassed that whole era as well um and then you did have the dudes there you had the narcs from the 80s and so there was something there for everybody and it sort of just it just fitted just nicely mm-hmm. and um so um good food offerings you know we've got over 30 food vendors at Selwyn Sounds mm-hmm. you know we've you know nearly more food vendors than the you know food and wine festival mm-hmm. pretty much so you've got something there for everybody it's comfortable it's good music it's daytime it's 11 to 8 30 um and it's just there to bring memories back so for the first event at least, I'm, I'm sure it's gotten easier over time uh, sort of having a name uh, behind you, getting in touch. It was a very New Zealand music focused uh, first time uh, yep. around. Um, how did you go about approaching the, um, the groups? Uh, pretty much directly. <laughs> um, we got um, My Sex was done through stalking on the um, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, had a very good friend who knew somebody in Auckland to get the girls from, you know, basically was a, a, a getting together of when the cats were away. But it was all those, you know, Sharon O'Neill and Debbie Harwood and Margaret Ehrlich and Annie Crummer. Um, again, um, Jordan Luck, he lives not far from here anyway, so it was again getting hold of his manager, um, and it just all sort of gelled together. So what were the learning experiences from that first gig? When there was more learning in second year than the first okay, year. Okay, tell me about the second year then. Uh, well, second year was the success of the first year, it was just, it just just ballooned into the second year you know we had a really i believe you know a very strong lineup with jimmy jimmy barnes um you know we had some really good good music and so it was slightly a different crowd and you know there were things like um in the first year people started to arrive from quarter past 10 and then nicely just throughout the day came through the event not everyone was going to be there at 11 o'clock second year what happens quarter to 11 and you know 10,000 people want to get in there and then and so they're all wanting to get a seat and then they're wanting to get a beer or a wine and they're all just boom there so um, those were some interesting times when we had queues for beer and wine and we had queues for getting in the park and uh, and then I think at seven o'clock we ran out there was one carton of orange juice left in the park and we'd gone and got more. So how did that change from the first year to the second year in terms of provisions? If, or were the numbers you know, vastly different? Yes, the numbers were, were up, um, but we compensated for that, the amount of people that were on there. We, you know, we ordered another 50 60% more than what we did the year before. 
So we thought, you know, we must be right. You know, there was only probably 20 or 30% more people there than last year. And so... Uh, You'd I, think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... And what um, was the weather doing? Oh, the weather was beautiful. We've had, we've had great days every day. It was a nice, warm, balmy day in, in Lincoln. And um, I think also the the second year we had a different type of target. I, can, I call it the Jimmy Barnes factor, you know, like it was... Slightly you know, heavier? Yeah. yeah. And... Um, Slightly yeah, thirstier? Yeah, well, I definitely were that. You know, if somebody had said to me on the Friday, you know, your four chillers, you know, at seven o'clock, you're going to look in there and there's one carton of orange juice left, I always said, you're, you're joking. You yeah. know, you're absolutely joking. And if it is, I'll be a very happy man. You know, like, there was a little bit of backlash from that. Okay. So, you know, um, but we aren't a, we aren't a beer festival. Yes. We're not a wine festival. We're a music festival that puts on great music for you to have a really good day. And part of that is, you know, have a beer and a wine. But that year we ran out. So in terms of damage control or uh, going into the third year at least, um, how was that sort of presented to the to the great unwashed out there? How did you say, you know, things are going to be different this time? It's actually how you advertise it. You know, basically, first of all, you've got to get some really good acts. And then you've got to put your hand up and say, hey, yes, mistakes were made in the second year, but we've rectified these. You know, we've got two bars. We've got more gates. We've got this. We've got that. We're putting on a different experience. And so you tick all those boxes and then you, you know, you recheck those boxes and you re-talk to people and say, well, have we got that right? You know, is it going to work? And can we do this? And can we do that? And so you put all of those things into place. And um, it was. The third year was, honestly, it was just tick. It was great. Okay, on that uh, on that high note, uh, we're going to go into some more music. Favorite track? We've had the tubes already. Um, any more obscure bands from around the world to uh, uh, to bring out? Oh, look, I have really fond memories of Racy again back in the eighties. Racy is another UK band. It's sort of um, and their track was "Some Girls Do." And I just can remember playing it on the radiogram at home and my cousin Tony and I, we used to, you know, stand there and think we were racy with a, you know, a comb as a microphone and dancing away. And that track always brings back beautiful memories for me. Turn away from you I see those looks you're sending me Is this the way it's meant to be? It's something we should talk about Just give me time to work it out Some girls will Some girls won't Some girls need a lot of loving in her Some girls don't well, I know I've got the fever But I don't know why I'll fall heavily I've seen those looks you're sending me 
Time and up for grabs a two-day pass to Rhythm and Alps with camping valued at almost $500. This competition was open to anyone over the age of 18 via the Garden of Sound website, Facebook and Instagram. And I'm exceptionally happy to say that the winner of that amazing prize is Stephen McNaughton. So huge congratulations, Stephen. We hope you really enjoy Rhythm and Alps. Stay tuned, as we'll have another fantastic giveaway at the end of the show. And most importantly, if you do want tickets to Rhythm and Alps, please do visit rhythmandalps.co.nz. This is the Garden of Sound interview with David Parlane on Plains FM 96.9. We've heard about year one through to year two and then a more successful uh, year three. Um, I want to talk about the music uh, selection at least. Is it is it just you sort of sitting in the lounge saying, hmm, that'd be nice, that'd be good? So sort of what, what process? Who else do you involve in picking the bands for um, Selwyn Sounds? Well, I've got a, I've got a fantastic business partner, um, and so it's predominantly him and I that actually sit there. But we, we have probably a group of people that we talk to on a regular basis that just, you know, throw in ideas and it's usually put down on a bit of paper and you would go okay that just sit that over there some you know people want this and people want that um, we also ask the people that have actually been to Selwyn Sounds as well you know who would you like to see what sort of acts would you like to have come and play here but it always comes back to a very strong headline act it has to be a very good headline act and they also guide you with who they feel would be a good mix for them to be playing with as well some bands don't like to play with other bands and you know it's 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 entertainment and pure you know it is entertainment so um so you guide it a little bit by that there are two schools of thought there is 
book the big headliner and, and they will come. And some people are more about uh, come for the festival itself and the um, uh, the entertainment. So where do you sit sit on that? What if you couldn't get a big headliner for the event? I think you. I think the second part is actually where Selwyn Sounds goes. You know, I've got a few people that I talk to and they just say, oh, it doesn't really matter what you get, it's our day out and we're going to be there. You know, it's just a fantastic day to be with family, friends and, you know, and, and we're there. But it certainly does help to have that, you know, strong one, two and three in your, in your, in your mix. And then, you know, then you build everybody else around it. Are you liaising with other promoters around the country uh, for, for March gigs, maybe trying to get uh, folks that might already be touring at the same time? Um, I work very, um, very successfully with um, Kurt Shanks from Plus One in Auckland. Uh, mm-hmm. He brings a number of acts. So, in fact, we're actually talking right now. Um, in the last two weeks, we're actually working on 2021 together. Fantastic. So, um, that's all I can say at this stage because nothing's signed, sealed, or delivered. Is it looking good? It's looking fantastic. Of course, yeah. it would be. Yeah. No, it's looking really good. I actually showed, uh, talked to my business partner again on Tuesday, and I said, "Here's what we're thinking." And we actually sat there and played the tracks on the phone, and he said, "Oh gosh, I remember that one. Oh, I remember that one." And so okay. yeah, yeah. So so interject. Yeah, twenty one's looking. We're really talking good. solo or band here. Uh, we're talking band. Band. Yeah. Heritage band. Okay, yeah. that'll that'll get people thinking. Um, so who else is? Uh, uh, Kurt involved with uh, Kurt's involved. Um, well, he actually plays with Stella. Ah, he manages the Mockers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got My Six and the Stranglers coming through New Zealand very shortly in ah, February. Fantastic. Um, so he's he did uh, earlier this year. He brought the Proclaimers through New Zealand. Wow, he's quite successful at what he does, and uh, he's a he's a joy to talk to and and getting his feedback and getting his you know his thoughts and and going from there. Okay, so uh, twofold question now is one is um, have you got a piece of advice um, if you're looking back at little David um, <laughs> saying perhaps do things differently or perhaps a bit of encouragement? I don't know if I'd do things differently. I don't know because that's who you become and who you are. But I think it seems everyone sort of says it. But, you know, if you've got a dream or if you've got an idea, you know, run with it and go with it and, you know, back yourself to do it. Dream without the plan. So how do you how do you make it happen? What are, you, what are your top tips for getting a successful event off the ground? You've got it right, right there. You know, you need to you need to write a really good solid plan, then throw it away. And then rewrite it from scratch. Don't copy and paste um, from last year's event. Go back and say, how can we do this event for next year better than we did it last year? And there's no point in just copying and paste what you did last year because it's, that's just not going to work for you. You've got to you've got to reinvent yourself. Do things do things a little bit different. But making sure, you know, knowing that the forklift is going to arrive at nine fifteen on a Monday morning before you start packing in is just as crucial as with the the flight that brings in that act at ten twenty five on the Friday and where they're going to sleep and all of those things and how is security going to do this? Toilets in place. You know, one thirty the food vendors start arriving on the Friday. Where are they going to? Where is, you know, I don't know, popcorn place going to actually be in, you know, site one B. All of those things need to be right in place. And having a very good team around you that know what they do and they do it well. So 
you know, I, I'm not a sound technician. I'm not a lighting technician. I don't know how to build a stage, but to have those people that know what to do and do it well. So having really good experience people doing those sorts of things for you and being able to rely on them, but then also be able to check the box that, yes, hey, have we got that resource consent or have we got that piece of paper that allows us to do all of those sorts of things. In the early days, was there anything that you should have spent some more money on but didn't want to just for, oh, I don't know, can we afford it? You know, the first one was really, really, really good. You know, we, you know, oh, I guess we could have put a second screen in, but we brought the second screen in the second year, so there was something different. Um, you know, um, you don't in a music thing, you don't want to compromise too much on the things that make the music good. So, like your PA, your lighting, all of those things, because that's the experience that you get. Um, you always want to save money. That's, I guess that's different from saying is there something that you could have put in there that would have been, would have been better. So how many um, uh, numbers is, or how many folks is Selwyn Sounds capped at at the moment? 10,000. 10,000. And is that a local sort of bylaw? Could it get any bigger? Um, Do you want it to get any bigger? I don't know if I want it to get any bigger than that, to be honest. I mean, 10,000 is a nice number. Um, it, does, it does give you restrictions on who you can actually attract um, to it um, but there's ways and means of doing that as well the only way that I guess um, we get it bigger is that we cut the hedge down in the domain but I don't think that's going to happen very very soon um, right. I might uh, might have my rugby mates sort of uh, I'm, a, I'm a case about that one. Oh dear. It's time for some more music uh, we were talking uh, before the show about some uh, some highlights and um, you mentioned uh, being side of stage at least when um, uh, when my sex was was playing um tell me about the feeling of sort of like looking out at the crowd uh during that gig you know it's actually become a little bit of a tradition now i um the last 15 minutes of the concert 8 15 i usually get my business partner up on stage he was very reluctant to do it because he thought he was going on stage the first year and um i said no 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 come up you've got to you've got to be here and we just sit in the wings and you can sort of duck your head around the corner and you and you look out and you go hey we've created this um and you know who would have thought that lincoln would have my sex or dragon or those guys sitting on the stage but the moment we looked out and looked at the crowd i just remember my sex was about to play just started up with the computer game song and it just gave me goosebumps on the back of my neck looking at the crowd and they were just going off <laughs> Just 
is The Gardener Sound interview with David Parlane on Plains FM 96.9. I just heard a bit of of my sex, classic New Zealand group. Is there anyone out there, whether uh, New Zealand-wise or or internationally, and I know we've talked about restrictions on size, but you would absolutely love to have in Lincoln any sort of grand musical desire? From my point of view, I mean... Gosh, hearing Billy Joel in Lincoln would be fantastic. But hey, I'm not. You know, he plays New York. Um, Shea you know, stadium or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's an incredible stadium, and even Rod Stewart would be fantastic to have in Lincoln. So that begs the question: Is there enough time in David's life uh, potentially uh, to start doing a a bigger regular gig uh, in the South Island? Um, the answer to that is yes, and maybe. <laughs> Just um, the future is bright. So that's a yes. So, so when are we looking? What year are we looking? Uh, it, it's a work in progress at this point in time. We've got some really fantastic plans for 2021. Okay. And so that will expand the, um, the festival itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking very much at that in the future to expand that into other parts of New Zealand. You're being brilliantly guarded. It's I wonderful. Am. Well, yes. It's got to be. It's got to be said that it's always. It's always in the announcement. Yes. Um, through the history of who we've actually had here, there are other opportunities with some of those acts coming back to New Zealand and helping them to tour through New Zealand mm-hmm. as well. But that won't be a festival type of thing. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's plenty of plenty of things in the pipeline at the moment. It's just whether, you know, it's that uh, risk reward that you take on and you go, you know, do I need that in my life at this point in time? And will that work for me? And how will it work for them? And, you know, how will it work for everybody else? So next year is our fifth year with our comedy night here in Lincoln again. So um, that's going to be a great one in October. So, and then, as I said uh, earlier, we're already very much on the track of, we've got our wish list and we're, we're reaching out to those bands, at, you know, right now. Uh, in terms of worldwide, um, are there any festivals that you could recommend folks uh, get along to if they ever get the chance? Um, the Byron Bay Blues Festival is fantastic. Again, yet another person who's pointed it out. Okay, it's a must for uh, must for twenty twenty. What? Why is it fantastic? Again, it, c- it comes back to the music selection. It's over a few days, and um, I just think it's in a nice part of the world. Um, they've just got some really good people going to it, and you know that. That, I think, makes for a great festival. And look, Dean from Greenstone Entertainment, he does he does a fantastic job with his um, summertime festivals. You know, he's got three sold out in January this year. So I'm heading down to uh, Queenstown in, in January for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, you know, that's not worldwide, but I mean, it's in our own backyard. And so, you know, he um, he does a really good job of that as well. That's fantastic. Uh, David, I want to say thank you so much for being on Gardener Sound. Uh, we've got time for just one more track. What would be one for luck? as I say, that you'd like to, uh, to get out. Play that funky music, White Boy, by Wild Cherry. Why? Uh, have you heard the beat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it just makes me laugh every time I hear it. It's just, you know, my good mate in Auckland who, uh, who comes and helps with the show and is a lot involved with it, he actually has that as his um, ringtone for every time I ring. And he just, every time I pick, he picks up the phone, he's laughing. So, you know, it's just, but you know, I'm a white boy and... I like music, so play that funky music, White Boy. Brilliant. Thank you, David. Hey, 
yes I did. Till you die. Do you die? 
Okay, time for my track of the week, and I love it. It's understated and has a very Ben Folds 5 vibe to it, for me at least, which confuses things because it's from Ben Woods. This is Good To Be Sleeping. Yeah. 
Thanks for being here today. My guest was David Parlane, director of Selwyn Sounds. Next year's gig will feature Midjour, 10CC, Icehouse, Jed Parsons and Zed, just to name some of the amazing acts appearing. If you want to win a pair of tickets, just head to gardenofsound.nz and click on David's photo on the front page. I'd love to have you back same time next week for Garden of Sound. So in the meantime, keep well, keep listening and keep playing. Hi there, da.